Welcome back to the Axiom Youth Podcast. This lesson is being taught by our youth pastor, Brother Jared Turner. It's entitled Bridging the Gap. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. God, and that you would do a miracle in their life. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Wonderful job. Very, very good song. Thank you, everyone, for worshiping. Good spirit of worship here tonight. I'm very, very proud of you. Let's go ahead and have a seat. And we're going to look at the book of Hebrews, chapter number 2 and verse number 8 and 9, and then we're probably going to skip down to verse 15. I didn't give this to them back there before, so Hebrews chapter 2, 8, 9, and verse number 15. So I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about getting us from one point to another. I've been thinking a lot about getting from one point to another. Because verse number 8 says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. So this is talking about the man Jesus. So his feet are the feet of the man Jesus. God does not have feet, but Jesus did because Jesus was a man. So Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. This, the opening of Hebrews is a lesson about why Jesus was so different than every other person that ever lived. It's building the case for why he was so different. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. So meaning that Jesus became exalted and became, he was a man, and he became exalted back to his first state, which was God. There's nothing that's above him. Jesus is God. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So we see not yet. So the only thing I want to pull out of that verse for you tonight is that there are some things that you do not know. There are some things that you do not yet understand. There are some things that I do not yet understand. So when you're trying to live this life and you're trying to be a Christian young person, there are going to be plenty of things that you do not understand. There are going to be plenty of things that seem very foreign to you and that seem very strange. Trying to live a Christian life in this current world. Brother Ranking said it, being spiritually minded in a carnal world. For those of you that got to go with us to that youth rally, spiritually minded in a carnal world. So there are some things that you still do not know. But, verse number 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by grace of God should taste death for every man. That's what we do know, is that Jesus came 
and that he died for us. And then verse number 15 says this, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So I'm going to talk for a little bit tonight about bridging the gap. Because when we read this book, there can be quite a gap between the way that we live, the way that we think, the way the world works, and what you can think about this book and what you can read about this book. There's some things that we do not understand. There are some things that God has put in his control, that has put under his feet that we do not understand, that we don't see. The writer said there are all things are in subjection to him. That means he's in control of every aspect of your life. Everything is go that is going on, God knows, and he has the power over it. But we don't understand how it all works together. And we don't understand everything. But what we can understand is that Jesus came and that he came to suffer. He didn't come to live a life of luxury, but he came to suffer. And that is the key to understanding this book right here. There's a man, and I've talked about him before, and Brother Kilman has talked about him before with you were here at the young man's, um, last year at the young man's session back here. He talked about him. His name is Jordan Peterson, and he is a psychologist from the University of Toronto. And he does a lot of study on archetypes, or it's a fancy word for superheroes. And he says that superheroes are in our very nature as human beings, that we all want to have that kind of stereotypical hero. Every culture puts forth a hero, the ideal person, the ideal man. The ideal woman. And he likes to study these different religions sometimes, their mythologies. Sometimes people take them very seriously. Sometimes people know that they're fake, but they still like them anyway. Like nobody really believes that Superman is real, but a lot of people like to identify with Superman and all that. So he kind of does that kind of study. And I, I'm, I know I'm grossly kind of dumbing it down just so that I could even understand it. But what I think he was saying, and I watched a YouTube video and a documentary with him, and he was talking about how that Jesus was the ultimate archetype. Now, he is not a Christian. He, doesn't, he believes probably that Jesus actually lived, but he might not even believe that Jesus was God. But he acknowledges that the story of Jesus Christ is the perfect, he said, archetype. Because Jesus came not into this earth to live a comfortable life, but he came 
suffering. Because that is the human condition. Because every human being on the face of the planet goes through a period of suffering. Every one of us. There is not one person among us right now that has not had a time in your life that hasn't been great. That hasn't been just perfect. We've all gone through things when our emotions dip down and our family situation dips down or something happens in our life that causes us distress. And the longer that you live, the more distress that you will have. That is just a common state of mankind. And we are more insulated in our country because we have such a blessed country. But this common core of suffering around other parts of the world, much more suffering happens in places where there is more poverty, no homes, no jobs, no food, those, these kind of places. And, and you can look at that and say there has to be a solution. There has to be a fix for this. And there's so many different religions and there's so many different ideas and there's so many different things. How do we know that what we believe is the truth? This is, this is the point that I'm trying to make. That this is that place I'm trying to get you to because you are here. We are American young people. We are very blessed. We have a very blessed society. We grow up in a predominantly Christian culture. Overall, our culture is very Christian. But over here is this thing of the truth. What is true? And we've got, and every living person on the face of the planet has to get across this gap. They have to break free from their culture to make sure that they believe the truth. Because any smart person that really thinks about it wants to believe the truth. Because you don't want to waste your time. And verse 15 that I read talks about the common condition of the fear of death. The fear of death. Now I'm not talking about like you're afraid to die necessarily. Because there are some very brave people that are not afraid to die. But there's something else in there, the fear of death, and they were subject to a lifetime of bondage. That meant that their life, the drumbeat of their life, was the fact that they were going to die. You know, one of my favorite people in history is Winston Churchill, and he thought a lot about this because he felt like his life was destined for greatness. But he knew that his life was short. And he knew that death haunted every man. And so every time he had a political setback, he would worry that his time was running out. And he even made mention one time that we are all worms, but I hope that I am a glow worm. Meaning I hope that my life can rise just a little bit above everybody else's life. So even in a man like that who's gone down in history, he still acknowledged the fact that death was knocking on his door and that what he did was he was being pushed forward because he realized that his time was short. 
So how in our short time do we get from our culture, what our culture says, to what the truth is? Because we have to get to this place called the truth. We've got to bridge the gap between who we are right now and what the true self of us is. Is that, are we created in the image of God? If so, there's going to be some things that are required of us. Or are we just products of blind luck and evolution? Then if so, we are wasting our time in our American Christian culture. So we need to wake up and, and, and grapple with this thing. Is this true? Can we believe this Bible right here? Or should we just push it aside and say we're wasting our time and just go ahead and make little use of the very small amount of time that you have? Because your starting point matters. Because what you believe to be truth matters. And so many people are content with just living over here in their culture. This is what I do. This is who I am. And they just kind of let their mind shrink down. And they're never interested in bridging that gap to finding out what is true. But I don't believe that's of this group right here. I believe that you're here because you are hungry to know what is the truth. Because your generation is hungering to know what is the truth. And I had, a, I had a college professor teach this to me, and it, it really changed my life. That he, he looked at us college students, and he said, you've got a very small window because you've come in with a lot of culture that's pushing you and telling you what's true. And we, as your professors, this was not a Christian man, he said, we are pushing things on you and teaching you and telling you things that are true. And he said, for only a short moment do you have the ability to find out for yourself what you believe. And he had an illustration on the whiteboard of a wall pushing on this little stick person this way and a wall pushing on a stick person that way. And he realized, and what I thought was so accurate, was that your values are going to be formed in the next few years. That your culture is pushing you in one thing. And here I'm coming and we're pushing the Bible and we're pushing these things. But if it doesn't get in your heart, if you don't ever own it, you're not going to make it. Because pretty soon the window is going to close on your life and you're going to be who you're going to be. That's one thing I love about youth ministry is that you change so quickly. Older people, God can change them, but it takes a lot longer process because their life has already kind of been ingrained. Sister Nikki gives the example of clay. It's moldable until it's left out in the sun and then the shape that it is is the shape it's going to be. If it's a beautiful vase, then it's going to be a beautiful vase until someone smashes it. But if it's just a hard lump, it's never going to be a beautiful vase. It's going to be a hard lump for forever. So you are in that formulation stage. And what I am trying to do is to bridge the gap and get you from just what is cultural to what is true. And get you to own what is true. I'm not asking you to accept this word right here because it's cultural. Because we're in the Bible belt and we're Bible thumpers and we're dogmatic Bible believers. And that's you just got to believe the Bible because what and ignore all the errors in it. Ignore all that, you know, all this, this just full of myths and all this stuff. I'm not asking you to believe a book of mythology. I'm trying to get you from a place of culture to a place of truth. We've got to get to the place of truth in your heart. You've got to know that this is true. You've got to bridge that gap. There are some things that you do not know, but God has given you enough. 
that he has come to bridge the gap. He said, there's going to be some things about my power and about my majesty that you're not going to know, but you are going to know that I came to earth and I did not come to earth as a wealthy person because I knew the majority of earth would not be wealthy. I did not come to earth as a powerful person because I knew the majority of earth would not be powerful, but I came as a suffering servant because I knew that most people would be servants and I knew that most people would be poor and I knew that most people, in fact, all people would be suffering. So I came to be seen, to be felt, to touch you, to talk to you, to walk with you, to live and then to go through the very scariest of experiences that you will have to go through that sin itself brought on this life and that experience was death. I came to go through death for you so that I could deliver you from the bondage of a lifetime of fear, worrying about the unknown. And what Jordan Peterson said is that is very, it makes sense that a man like that would be the Messiah, that the man like that would be the Savior because it is the perfect archetype of what we need as human beings in our psychology. This is not a Christian man. This is a man that looks at the brain and says what we need in the human psyche is a someone that knows what we go through and someone that takes the weight of the world on their shoulders and yet bears it with a joy about it anyway. That's, that's the kind of person that can deliver the world. And nobody was able to do that. The Bible says that God looked for a mediator and He could find none. So He came Himself to be the mediator, to be the archetype. This is the truth. But we've got to bridge the gap between what is your culture and what is the truth. We've got to get, and that's the goal of this youth group. That's the goal of our teaching. That's why we get up here and we teach and we preach is because we are just, we're not simply satisfied that you go to church because it's Arkansas and everybody goes to church or at least claims that they go to church. But it doesn't mean everybody's bridging the gap. It doesn't mean everybody is moving forward. You've got to ask yourself the question, if I lived in a predominantly Muslim country and my parents were Muslim, would I believe in this truth? Would I believe in this? If, if that was my culture and if that was my value system, would I believe in this? Because when you go on the mission field and our missionaries go over there, they have to ask people to leave everything. They have to leave father and they have to leave mother. They literally have to walk away from everything that they love in order to believe this. The only way you're going to walk across that bridge is if you believe that you're headed toward the truth. Because if you don't believe that's the truth, the cost is too high. Now, for us that have been blessed to grow up in church, it's, it's, can, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because we can stay in our culture and feel like we're making that journey across the bridge to truth. But we're just not, we never really embrace it in our heart. You know what I'm talking about. You can come and sit on the pew, and nobody looks at you funny. And nobody looks at you weird that you go to church. But when you start walking that bridge, and you start saying, this is my everything, and all of a sudden, the, the small parts of your life and the small parts of your culture that do not line up to this begin to fall away. You're going to face some opposition. There's going to be a cross to bear, Jesus said. He was our archetype. He could not deliver us without there being a cross to bear, without there being some hardship to carry. See, if you're going to go through the hardship that you're going to have to go through in order to follow him, you've got to know that it's the truth. 
You've got to believe that what we are teaching is the truth. And you better not just take my word for it. You better not just take the preacher's word for it. You better know for yourself. You better get in there and say, what do I believe? How do I figure out if this is true or if this is just a fake? Because if it's a fake, you're wasting your time. But if it is true, it requires all of your devotion. It requires everything of your life. It requires a re-examination of everything you watch and everything you talk about and everything you listen to and your friends that you have and the person that you're going to marry and the career path that you're going to choose and the college that you go to. Everything must be brought under its authority if it is the truth. But if it's just a culture, then do whatever you want to do. Cultures fade. Cultures pass away. But you've got to know. You've got to bridge that gap. You've got to get from this place to the next place. You've got to understand, is this true? Is this true in my life? Is this true in my home? Is this true for my family? Will this bless my life? Because we only have a short window and a short time. That's why spiritual disciplines are so important. And I'm not talking about just simply checking things off the list. I'm talking about really, truly bridging the gap. I'm talking about really, truly getting to a place where you know what you believe. And the most real way that you can know what you believe is you've got to give God a chance to speak to you. We're going to give you some teaching. We're going to give you some tools as to why this word can be defended. Sister Hannah's about to start a two-part lesson about the life of Jesus, the historical life of Jesus. His life can be defended. He actually lived. We are living in the year of 2019. That's 2019 years from the moment that he was born. That's how influential his life was. It can be defended. It can be defended. The word can be defended. You don't just have to believe it as on blind faith. It can be defended. There are facts of science and facts of history that can be verified and checked. We can believe the Bible. We can have confidence in it. And we want to teach you those things. And we want to invest those things in your life. But you know how you're really going to bridge the gap? Because there's going to be some things you never quite figure out. But like the writer in Hebrew said, there are some things, but we, there are some things you can see. But we see Jesus. We don't see everything, but you can see him. You can understand him. The Apostle Paul was a great man of learning. If anybody should have recognized the Messiah, it should have been him because he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, I studied under the feet of the best philosophers and the best teachers that the Jewish culture could offer. But it, what it took is it took an encounter. It took an experience when all of a sudden God showed up and God became real to him where Jesus spoke to him. And that moment transformed all of his knowledge and all of his learning. And one, in one instant, he saw it. This is what I have been studying about. This is what I have been waiting on. This moment right here is when God became alive to him. 
And that's the kind of moments we've got to cultivate in church services. And that's the kind of moments we've got to cultivate in youth is where young people that we are witnessing to and that we are talking to and that we are teaching Bible studies to and bringing into our P7 club. At some point, they're going to have to come into an encounter with God where the gap is bridged from what they thought they knew in their culture to what is actually true. And you're going, before you can ever witness to somebody, before you can ever touch somebody's life, you're going to have to have that same kind of bridging the gap experience. You're going to have to have that same moment in a prayer room when all of a sudden God shows up. And it's not just what Brother Jared talks about or what Brother Thomas talks about. It's all of a sudden something that's alive to me because I have seen him, because my culture has died out. And now I have become alive because I know that this is the truth. And this is something I can give my life to and something I can devote to and something that I can run every decision in my life by because it's not my culture. It is the truth. And that makes a difference. And in order to get there, you've got to know God. You've got to know him. And he has made it possible for you to know him. He is not trying to hide himself from you. There are some things that will always be hidden from us until we get to the other side. There will be some things that we do not understand. There will be some things. Great is the mystery of godliness, the Bible says. There are going to be some things that you do not know. But there's going to be enough that you can know to convince you. If you are not convinced, if this Christian thing is for you, my opinion is that you have really not given God a chance. That you have turned your ear off to Him because He is trying to get a hold of your heart. He is trying to reach out and say, this is true. And this, is, this is powerful. He wants to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He wants to use your life. He wants to transform everything in your life. And it's possible. It's it's possible to overcome living a life that is driven by the fear of death. By the fear of your own insignificance. By the fear of your life not mattering. You can get over that fear. Because when you live a life for God and you walk across that bridge and you get across that gap from just what is your culture to what is true. It's a new birth. You are born again old things pass away and all things become new thank you come to the music because i'm i'm about to close just have just a few moments But that is our goal. That is our mission of Axiom Youth. You know what the word Axiom means? It's been a while since we've defined it. We were named this a long time ago before I was youth pastor. You know what Axiom means? It means a self-evident truth. It means that a truth that is so powerful that it dominates everything about your life. We're not asking you to believe fables. We're not asking you to believe fairy tales. We don't ask you to believe in superheroes or Santa Claus. 
We're asking you to believe the truth. And the truth is knowable. Because Jesus really lived. Because Jesus really died. And because Jesus really rose from the dead. And when he rises in your heart, the gap has been bridged. The victory has been won. Death has been defeated. Anxiety, fear, depression, worrying about the future. What's my life? Is my life going to count? Is my life going to be meaningful? Well, the moment you cross that bridge and you enter into the truth, your life has meaning, infinite meaning, infinite value, infinite purpose. Because it's the truth. It's the truth. But you've got to know. You've got to know it in your heart. And the time is ticking because I, you're getting older. We have sophomores and freshmen. A couple more years and you're going to be graduated. And you better know what you believe. You better have had an experience, an encounter with God. You better have developed a relationship. You better make sure. And I want to challenge you here. Because whether or not you, you cross this bridge to Christ's truth, the true truth, you're going to have to come up in your own heart. What do you believe the truth is? I'm going to challenge you. You're going to have to break free of your culture sometime. And if I don't challenge you, it could be a college professor challenging you and pushing you to say, hey, you know that old Christian fable? You're not going to be able to believe that anymore because you've got to believe this new age thing. You're going to have to come to that place where you grapple with the truth. You don't want to just stay back in your culture. You can look at the world and how many cultures there are. Not everybody can be right. You're going to have to make this decision. What is the truth? My my challenge is give God a chance to show you that he is the truth and the life. I want you to stand tonight. I want you to close your eyes. And we're just going to pray just for a moment right now on this first Wednesday night youth service back. God, I pray right now that you would touch these young people. God, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here that's struggling, God, is this Christian thing for me? I pray, Lord, that they would begin to give you a chance. I pray, God, that you would begin to draw all men to yourself that you would begin to open up hearts and open up lives, God, in this youth group right now. God, maybe there's a young person, they've been filled with the Holy Ghost, but they've been battling on whether or not to give their life to you completely. Whether or not it's all that important to really dedicate and sell out and answer the call of God. I pray that you would begin to convict them tonight. I pray that you would begin to talk to them tonight. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help them come into that knowledge of the truth, Lord, that only your spirit can bring and only the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost can bring. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of these young people would have an experience, would have an encounter, God, that is so strong, that is so powerful, Lord, that it is undeniable, Lord, that you are working in their life, that you love them, that you died for them, and that you have redemptive power over their life. God, I pray that you would work right now. If there's young men, young ladies here that need the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to work right now and that you would fill them with your spirit and that you would fill them with your power. Come on. Come on, young people. Come on. Let's cry out to the Lord together. Come on. The Lord wants to touch somebody tonight. You can have that kind of encounter. 
that lifts you up and encourages you. Maybe you've been under peer pressure and there's been friends talking to you and saying, man, why do you do that? Why do you keep going there? Why do you keep living this way? And you need to be reminded once again, this is the truth. I can give my life to this. I can have confidence in this message. Not because I believe a fairy tale, but because God talked to me. Touch us, Lord, right now by your spirit. Come on, right now. This is the altar call. Right where you're at. Just begin to lift up your hands. Just begin to lift up your hands right there. Come on, let's turn this whole place into an altar right now. Come on, let God move in right now. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. God can touch your life afresh. God can give you a fresh anointing, a fresh vision. God, we love you, Jesus. Come on, young people, let's keep praying. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just touch touch us, Lord, and help us. God, I pray that you would give each and every young person a fresh vision of who you are. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.